Support for Talk of the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation, partnering with donors and nonprofits to strengthen Maine's economy by focusing on education, leadership, and quality of place. On the web at maincf.org. It's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. So how do we respond when we learn that people in our own communities are hungry? Hunger has been with us since the dawn of history, but it sets us back a bit um, when we realize that families and children go hungry today in the midst of plenty all around us. And this morning, we're going to learn about how local community efforts are getting food to people who most need it um, through food pantries, food drives, through free community meals, and through new efforts in gleaning. And in the studio with us, we have some guests who can help us with that topic. I'm happy to welcome back uh, Katie Friedman of Healthy Acadia. Welcome to you, Katie. Thank you, Ron. She's brought her colleague, Hannah Semler, um, who is the Gleaning Coordinator for Healthy Acadia. Healthy Acadia. Welcome to you, Hannah. Thanks. Happy to be here. And we're w- glad to welcome back Susan Farley of the Washington Hancock Community Agency. Um, and in addition to the work that uh, um, she does with the agency, um, she's helping coordinate um, the Hancock County Food Drive. And this is the third drive this, this year? This is the third year. Great, great. We'll learn more about that. But first, perhaps um, a little bit of background from each of you, maybe starting, Susan, Um, your own background, and then a little bit of of information about Washington Hancock Community Agency. Well, I started out actually at Channel 5 covering the area and saw the need that's here. There are lots of needs that people in Hancock County really struggle with, Mm. and hunger is one of them. And uh, working with WHCA as the family assistance advocate has actually given me a lot of opportunity to work with lots of organizations and towns and churches and try to pull all those resources together for people when they're in a crisis situation. So it's been pretty rewarding, very challenging trying to find those resources and uh, just really happy to, to be able to be part of that. And Washington Hancock Community Agency for 20 years has been part of a distribution program for the USDA commodity food. Um, that's the surplus food that the schools tap into. And um, last year alone distributed 73 tons of mm. food to the mm. different food pantries in both Hancock and Washington County. So we've been very involved in that for a long time. We actually distribute FEMA funds. We have the food and shelter portion of that and the money that comes to the pantries actually is based on the previous year's unemployment figures so what they get out of the national pots divided up among those things 
Um, you know, we sat in on those first meetings for Everybody Eats, the free community meal in Ellsworth, and we're now their fiscal sponsor. And uh, I personally oversee the family crisis program, and I deal with a lot of the emergency calls that come in, and it may be something like uh, somebody ran out of fuel or their pipes are frozen or, you know, they're just finding themselves in a health situation that they don't know how to get out of or what resources are available. And this year, I've seen much more in the way of people skipping meals or going without meals or, you know, one meal a day, just trying to make ends meet. It's been a very, very difficult winter for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people, just the sheer number of snowstorms. I mean, people don't realize that if you have a snowstorm, you're on a fixed budget and you can't shovel the snow, you've got to have somebody plow it. That eats up a significant portion of the money that they have available to meet everyday needs. So I personally see a lot of those phone calls coming through and deal with a lot of that. So we've been very active in all of those things and trying to make sure that people have those resources. You know, I act with the pantries and call them up when I have somebody that needs food and we see what we can do to work it out. And, and I help tap into that senior commodity food to help get food to seniors that are in the area that need food. Mm. And we had Mark Green, your your uh, overall executive director for Washington Hancock Community Agency on um, a couple of months ago. And, and we were really talking about the 50th anniversary of the so-called war on poverty. And many of these programs came out of a realization um, 50 years ago that um, people were, were struggling in, in big ways and uh, government needed to respond. So we've, we've had that 50 years. doesn't sound like we've solved many of the problems, but we continue to, to meet people's needs. Well, I think that's one of the great things about the food drive that we've got going on right now. People are starting to talk about it. Hunger is one of those things that you don't see. You don't realize your neighbor might be skipping meals because they don't have enough money to be able to buy the basic necessities, and that's how they're getting by. Mm. So I, I think that's one of those things. Yeah, we're still working on it. We're right. still finding good ways to deal with it. But, right. you know, I think there's more of an effort now for everybody to work together and to raise that awareness. Great. Well, Katie Friedman, tell us a little bit about your own background and, and uh, how you come to the issue of, of uh, food and, and uh, both uh, kind of raising food, but also making sure that people who need it uh, get food um, with Healthy Acadia. Sure. Well, um, I've been with Healthy Acadia since um, 2006. Um, Food uh, and farming have always been passions of mine. Um, And so I'm very pleased in my work life to be able to um, now uh, serve as the food, farm, and nutrition coordinator for Healthy Acadia. So I oversee all of our food-related programs. Um, We... um, have been working um, since 2003 along with many partners including WHCA, Cooperative Extension, Healthy Peninsula, other organizations around the county um, to address um, food insecurity and to um, bring people together um, in a network of of community food pantries and meal sites and support agencies to um, to collaborate um, to coordinate services um, to put on collaborative events such as the food drive um, and other things. Healthy Acadia um, has recognized um, hunger as um, a critical need in our communities um, for many years and as a public health organization um, we see it as absolutely essential to um, ensure that um, people have enough to eat so that they can lead healthy lives. Um, It's one of those um, most basic needs that um, you know, you really can't, um, you can't be active, you can't be healthy, you can't um, avoid chronic disease if you don't have a healthy diet, if you don't have access to the resources to purchase food that's um, going to um, contribute to your overall health. So um, it's a public health issue. It's an individual issue um, of critical importance. Um, healthy Acadia um, 
operates a number of programs that seek to address um, hunger and food insecurity and overall nutrition. Um, we implement <clears throat> nutrition education um, through SNAP-Ed programming throughout Hancock County. So we have a nutrition coordinator who offers cooking classes. Um, she does shopping tours, you know, how to how to eat healthy on a limited budget. Um, she works in schools, um, in childcare settings. She works with older adults um, to teach people um, um, you know, how to make healthy choices and, and how to do that with limited resources. Um, we also um, do a lot of work with food pantries. As I said, we co-coordinate the Hancock County Food Security Network along with Cooperative Extension. Um, and I think we're going to talk about quite a bit about that work today um, and also our gleaning initiative. Um, in addition to that, we've been doing a lot of work over the past couple of years with farmers markets, um, helping them to um, accept SNAP benefits. So and that SNAP is what used to be called food, food stamps, is yes, that right? Yes, um, SNAP is the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, um, federally funded, formerly known as food stamps. Um, and, and folks can use their SNAP benefits at farmers markets as long as the markets have the equipment to accept the, those benefits. So we're working to promote that and, and make that available to um, farmers markets around Hancock and Washington counties. And I understand Healthy Acadia has just hired a new executive director. That's right. We've just concluded um, a months-long search, and we've um, hired Elsie Flemings, who is our former community relations and development director, um, also a former state representative. Um, and Elsie's been with Healthy Acadia um, for a number of years. I can't say offhand when she started, but um, she's been doing excellent work, um, and she's um, going to be a fantastic leader for our organization. So we're very happy to welcome Elsie into her new role. Great. And you want? Do you want to introduce Hannah a little bit um, in terms of? the gleaning effort. Sure. Well, I can we'll talk ask Hannah to talk too. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, Healthy Acadia and Cooperative Extension have been coordinating some gleaning events um, in Hancock County for a number of years. Um, we coordinate an annual apple harvest at Johnston's Apple Orchard in Ellsworth. So after they've closed for the season, they have literally tons of apples that have gone unpicked on the trees that are just going to end up as deer food, basically. So um, Marjorie Pronto at the Cooperative Extension was able to get us in at Johnston's, and we coordinate volunteers to go harvest those apples. So we've been doing that for a number of years and working with a few um, farms on a small scale to um, collect food that would be going to waste and help redistribute it to the food pantries that we work with. Um, last year, we decided that we wanted to um, really ramp up this effort. So we wrote a grant, we got the funding, and, um, and we hired Hannah Semler as our gleaning coordinator. Um, she has hit the ground running. She's been with us for almost a year, and her work has been absolutely incredible. Um, and so I'll let her take it from there. Great. Well, welcome again, Hannah. Tell us a little bit about your own background, and then um, the work that you're doing uh, for gleaning. Get right up that microphone. Sure. Um, I only go back about three generations in the um, Blue Hill Peninsula, so I don't consider myself a local. Mostly <laughs> my time spent around here was in the summertime, although I did go to College of the Atlantic. and um, But I grew up in Spain and have been going back and forth from Europe to, um, to the U.S. and really engaging in um, a lot of research on how we can better build um, local food systems that are resilient and that meet the needs both of farmers and of uh, those people that are potentially struggling in um, problems um, of, of food insecurity. So um, I was really um, inspired by the gleaning initiatives um, 
concept and had just finished a master's in international food business in Germany and thought that, in fact, it would be the best use of, of, of my time to f- find a way to apply some of the concepts that had been floating around in my head about how to prevent food waste. I did my master's thesis on food waste prevention in the retail sector, so how to help supermarkets deal with their surplus um, while while providing um, for, for their community also. And so, um, but I've always, again, wanted to work with farms. And um, so the Gleaning Initiative has kind of really hit it in terms of um, an innovative way to bring community members around the topic of food insecurity while also providing them with on-farm education uh, and therefore strengthening the local food system by getting more community members out on farms harvesting food that would otherwise go to waste and then creating a volunteer distribution system getting all that food which has been um, almost 30,000 pounds of food um, to the food pantries and meal sites that we that we work with so there are about 15 food security organizations which are food pantries and community meal sites that we've worked with um, and also about 15 farms and so we're really trying to connect our local farms to our local pantries, um, have local pantries and be able to afford the prices of local farms. Um, and so there's two, two efforts then to get more far, uh, uh, pantries to buy farm products, but then to glean um, at the end of the season as well. One of the things that the Gleaning Initiative is wanting to um, explore more in depth is ways to offset costs for farms so that they can actually lower their prices to um, be able to meet the needs of the local pantries at where their budget is for the year. Um, and so we're working on getting more um, grant money into the food pantries to be able to purchase that local food, which of course will help with the local economy and help empower the farmers to be able to engage in more of the social projects that we're also um, asking them to participate in. Mm-hmm. So we believe it's a two-way street and we're wanting to engage all actors and really strengthen the relationships between farms and their um, local social projects and um, have have that story be told in a way that is hopeful and exciting and engaging and have community members be a part of that story and kind of in that way help to further some of the um, more long-term goals of Healthy Acadia and and other organizations in the area. So what, what's the reaction of, of farmers when you approach them? Maybe you didn't approach all of them, but you've approached some and said, can, can we begin to think about a relationship here? What's the reaction? It spans from, oh, yeah, to, <laughs> well, we, you know, we don't really think there is waste or... Um, and so it's always interesting because my role is to meet the farmer where they are. So look at what they're um, up against. What is their situation? Is it, um, you know, that they need to have trained volunteers on farm and only want a limited number anywhere from two to three one to feel like it's a controlled um, situation and that their quality standards are upheld. Um, That's one of the main concerns is that it's hard to sometimes have food where you work so hard as a farmer to have your quality be 
the top is the co- top quality and then you're seeing food with you know a little bit of a blemish go out the door and your kind of eyebrows raise and say well <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not sure I I'm, I'm I feel totally good about that but then you know they really would would prefer the system where the food pantry was able to buy the top quality food and we uphold um, top very high quality standards um, with the gleaning initiative and work very closely with each pantry and meal site to see what they're willing to accept and you know if there's a little bit of um, mold on the end of a squash and if they want to cut it off cut off before we deliver it we'll cut it off and if they don't mind dealing with it then you know they have their own compost system and they can manage it then they manage it but farms are really looking and farmers um, I've found are really looking to um, engage with their their local community members and whether for example one conversation I had with Glennon Friedman of Bar Harbor Community Farms um, that she was really excited about the possibility of connecting with the local high school with MDI high school and so you know there was a conversation g- growing of how to kind of work it out for her and she said well if I can work with students I would love to and so it's really a question of seeing what's the farmer's passion what is what is the project that they haven't been able to engage in because of lack of time and um, and, and lack of resources that, that the gleaning initiative can help connect them to in their community that can ultimately help them gain visibility in their community um, and just be a part of, of a story that that involves many different actors and, and, and integrates them into community life in mm-hmm. ways that that may have been forgotten. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're talking about um, all different aspects of, of how to get uh, food to people um, that need it, um, whether it's um, through food pantries. And we're going to talk with um, Rick Traub of a Tree of Life Food Pantry in a few minutes and then uh, talk with folks from the Welcome Table in Ellsworth. Um, one of the things that uh, that has been happening in the last uh, three years in Hancock County is a food drive. So let's little, learn from Susan a little bit more about that. And then um, both, I think, uh, both uh, she and Katie have been active in, in this process. But start with, with Susan Farley from uh, Hancock, Washington Hancock Community Agency. Well, I think it grew out of the fact that the pantries were struggling. There's always more demand and there are, you know, resources to go around. So we started at the network meetings talking about what can we do collaboratively because it's very difficult. The pantries are small for the most part. They have limited resources, a limited amount of volunteers, and it's hard for them to try to organize something independently. That's not to say that they don't do things because they do great things, but we thought, is something that would also raise awareness around the county. Mm-hmm. And I had been involved in organizing another countywide food drive in Washington County four years ago and brought the idea back, said, guys, you know, we didn't spend a whole lot of time organizing it, but we had great results by everybody working together. And it really did have people talking. And so we thought we'd try it. And it took off. The first year we were thought, well, we won't, you know, it's a first time out. It probably won't do so great. We actually collected over 7,000 food items. So last year we thought, okay, we did 7,000. The first year we'll shoot for 10,000. We collected more than 12,000. So this year we're hoping we're going to top 15,000. And the Maine Community Foundation and United Way of Eastern Maine have each said that they'll pledge 
a dollar for each food item up to $12,000. So we're off and running, I mean, up to $10,000, and we're off and running. We got another $5,000 donation yesterday, got official confirmation from the Broad Reach Foundation through uh, the community found, I mean, community foundation again. They've donated $5,000 to help with things that this doesn't touch. Those are personal hygiene items, things like diapers and that sort of thing. Mm. So we're getting a lot of support from a lot of different places. It has grown tremendously. You know, last year we had 114 collection sites across the county. We thought that was awesome. We're up to 137 mm. already as of Wednesday. Mm. And more people are jumping on. I think it's really reached out. It's something people can get behind. A lot of people want to help. They just didn't know how to help. Mm -hmm. So this has sort of brought all those places together and it's churches and it's libraries and it's businesses and organizations it's everybody jumping on board with this and mm -hmm. it's just it's overwhelming to see the community support behind it and the pantries are really excited by it it's something that more of them have jumped on this year and really gotten behind and given us a lot of help with it and it, it's just growing and it's great to see that community effort so um, katie people should look for um, donation boxes in lots of different places near them in hancock county yes um Grocery stores, convenience stores, libraries, banks, um, all of those types of places are, are places that are collecting food in, in public spaces. Um, in addition, um, we were still, um, you know, any organization can jump on at any time. The food drive lasts the entire month of March. Um, so we're, we're right in the middle. We're at the midway point right now. Um, it's not too late to get involved. So if your business or organization or church or civic group um, or volunteer group or school, um, you know, a circle of friends, it could be anybody, um, you know, wants to organize a drive, um, please contact Marjorie Peranto at the Cooperative Extension. Her number is 667-8212. Um, and she can get you set up with all of the materials materials um, and the resources and information that you need. Um, so we have a lot of public spaces where you can donate food and we also have private organizations. So um, places like the Jackson Lab and local hospitals and, and places like that where a lot of people work um, are organizing um, internal food drives where um, their employees have the opportunity to donate as well. Right. We've tried to make it yeah. easy, too, for people to donate. If you don't want to do a food drive, you can donate monetarily. And we've got it set up with United Way. You can go to unitedwayem.org, click on Donate Now, and you can make a donation online. You can do a check made out to United Way with Hancock County Food Drive on the memo line. Send it to 24 Springer Drive, Suite 201 in Bangor, 04401. I think <laughs> I've done this a few times. You have, you have <laughs> Well, let's go now to Rick Traub. Rick is with the Tree of Life Food Pantry in Blue Hill. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Rick. Thanks, Ron. Good to be here. Well, t tell us a little bit about the, the, the history of, of the Tree of Life Food Pantry and, and uh, what, what your, your current uh, kind of uh, workload looks like. Uh, who are you serving and, and uh, what does it look like um, in 2014? Well, the Tree of Life is in its, I think it's 26th year, and it started um, really organically, you know, about 25 years ago with the Blue Hill Congregational Church, um, there people became aware that people were needing, um, needing more food to eat, and at the same time, uh, people were bringing in clothes that they didn't want anymore into the church, and this natural thing started happening where people would, um, they started selling the clothes and buying a little bit of food, and it started out, I believe, in the, um, in the pastor's basement. And it was kind of kind of quaint thinking back on it now because they were driving a a small Volkswagen vehicle down to Augusta 
maybe once a month to pick up four or five banana boxes of of food to distribute to people just in Blue Hill. And right now, uh, where we stand now, is that we receive from Good Shepherd Food Bank, they actually bring a tractor-trailer truck to our doors every two weeks, and we're, we're unloading about 10,000 pounds of food every two weeks. And we're serving primarily the Blue Hill Peninsula. There are eight towns on the peninsula that we serve. And we see, on average, over 200 families every week come into the pantry. And this represents about 14% of the entire population of the Blue Hill Peninsula. And that's a that's a staggering number. Um, it's actually pretty much the same number for the state of Maine. The, the Maine average is about 14%. Um, and that ranges from less than 1% for the town of Castine to 27% of the people of Sedgwick find their way to the pantry at least once during the year. Mm-hmm. And Blue Hill is around 14%. So we're seeing huge numbers of people. I mean, in addition to the Good Shepherd food, we're also buying wholesale vegetables and eggs that we give, it, give out. So we're giving out about three tons of food every week mm-hmm. um, here in Blue Hill. And it's continued to be supported um, financially through um, the food, I mean, for the clothing sales. Tell us a little bit about that operation now. Well, we have the Turnstile Thrift Shop, and it's open three days a week, and they do a phenomenal job there. And I would say about two-thirds of our operating budget um, comes from the sale of clothing and the other one-third we are, we raise through, um, through fundraising. What, what uh, um, is the reaction when you um, make your pitch to um, community groups or individuals to be, to be supportive? Are they surprised with that uh, number of, of roughly 14% um, of, of people using um, the food pantry? Well, first of all, let me say that I put these numbers together, I guess, two years ago, and I've been working there for three years, but at this point, we, we knew how many people we were getting through every week, and so we kind of had an idea of, you know, what our, what our yearly numbers were, but we really didn't have a handle on what that meant as mm-hmm. far as percentages until we sat down and had a hard look at the numbers. And when I came up with that 14% figure, I mean, I had to go back over the numbers two or three times. I sent them to somebody else. They went over them, too, and we were shocked. Mm-hmm. So, but it was really, it's really, really good information. And, and... From that point on, we started sharing that information, you know, letters to the editor, going into town offices, um, talking to people on the street, and people are, they're just as shocked as we were, if not more so, because, you know, we already had a had a hand in the, in the game and we knew it was happening, but, but people inevitably say, well, how can I help? Hmm. So, I mean, if I can say one thing, um, the most important thing I could suggest, um, what people can do is tell their story. It's really, really important that um, the word get out that, you know, there, we have neighbors that don't have enough to eat. And, and invariably, when someone hears that, that, their first reaction is, how can I help? Right. And then, and then you know, there's just a myriad ways that, that people can get involved if they want to. How about the, uh, the can you, uh, it's probably very difficult to give us a profile of the people who are using, but they have stories too, um, individuals who um, find themselves needing uh, food perhaps on a very sporadic basis, but it's really important when they need it. Others may need it more kind of in a chronic situation. Can you give us a sense of uh, the kinds of stories that uh, um, kind of surround the people who are using the food pantry? Sure. Um, Well, we have a lot of seniors that come in, and these are people who have, you know, they've worked hard their whole lives. They've lived here on the peninsula. They've raised their families, and 
um, they've just never gotten around to to saving any money. And now they're, you know, they're in their 60s or 70s, some are in their 80s, and they just don't have enough on their Social Security to make ends meet. So, so they come in. We see young families that come in and the husband and wife can both be working or someone can be working two jobs, but they're making minimum wage. It's not a living wage. I mean, we all know that. And there's just not enough money in the family to, to pay for the food. And we see people who just got laid off, someone who's been in the hospital, someone who's gotten a divorce. And, you know, the, the, the hardworking people of the peninsula, um, I think a lot, of them, a lot of us work, you know, from paycheck to paycheck. And when, when something like that happens, like a hospital bill, or um, right now people are dealing with paying for fuel, for fuel oil um, after this winter and going into the spring, it's, it's really, really difficult. People are choosing, I imagine, between fuel and food. And it sounds like a cliche. We see that in the paper, but it's absolutely true. I mean, last week we had 238 families come in, and that represents about six, over 600 um, adults and children in those families. And that, that was a huge spike for us. That was over 100 people more than we hmm. saw in um, January and February. And that was just first week in March. And, and that tells me that the, the money, you know, on different fronts has, has run out. Hmm. So, Rick, if people wanted to be in touch with you and your food pantry, uh, perhaps some contact information before we let you go. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, we do have a website. It's treeoflifepantry.org treeoflifepantry.org and on our website there are a couple of videos that people can watch there's one that tells our story there's one that actually tells how our operation works i mean how to start your own pantry based on our model of turning clothing into food um our phone number is 374-2900 and we're located at 23 south street in blue hill which is right next door to rite aid our, our thrift stores in the front and the pantries in the back, and we're open. Food pantries open every Thursday for distribution. Tree of Life, the um, thrift shop is open Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays for sales. And people are I encourage anybody who wants to help out just to to drop in. Everybody's friendly. We have over 130 volunteers. Um, there's really something to do for everybody. Every every kind of work, every every taste, anything you might wanna wanna do, you could drop in and plug yourself in, and we're happy to see anybody um send us a check you know <laughs> we love money <laughs> <laughs> That's um, great. we can we can um you know if someone sends us a dollar I, I i i do our food buying also and i can buy a lot of food at 16 cents 16 cents a pound through the good shepherd food bank um you can't do that in a grocery store so we can really stretch those dollars a long way and food donations of course are are always welcome as well Rick, thanks so much for taking time to be with us this morning here on Talk of the Towns. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Rick Traub of Tree of Life Food Pantry. And, and Katie, um, you and Susan are part of a, a network. Uh, how many food pantries are there in Hancock County? And, and we know that there are listeners elsewhere in Maine. We assume that there are food pantries serving them. But um, how many food pantries in Hancock County? There are 12 food pantries, um, and there are five weekly community meal sites um, and a sixth community meal site that just started up in Deer Isle, Stonington, that right now is operating once a month. Um, so 18 organizations total. And that that also um, 
doesn't include, you know, there's also senior meal sites and other very locally based food access projects um, that are happening um, all throughout Hancock County. Mm. Um, uh, uh, Susan, you mentioned the um, everyone eats, everybody eats um, uh, community meal in, right. in Ellsworth, and, and you were part of that and st- continue to be as part of uh, Washington Hancock Community Agency. Um, how did that start? Do you remember the, the details there? It was, again, it was a a group of people that got together and saw the need and said, hey, we need to do something. And we had relatively few meetings before we started serving meals, actually. Right. You know, they they had, I think, three meetings and they were up and running. They were great. They grabbed the ball and they ran with it. And I think they learned about it from Simmering Pot in Blue Hill. Exactly. You know, and I think we're all still learning from each other. And that is the great thing. And there's a need out there. 44% of the kids in Hancock County last year qualified for reduced meals. That's a scary figure when you think about it. Those are all families that are struggling, and they're getting those school lunches, but they're going to bed at night hungry, and they're hungry on the weekends. And we are first in New England in terms of food insecurity for both children and adults, for our seniors. Mm -hmm. And I deal with that every day. And, you know, you're one something happens to the car and you have to buy a car part or you've got an illness and i see a lot of that people that are coming in to to me with their crisis situation which might be they need to go get a chemo treatment and suddenly that money they had for food is now going into gas for the car to get them to the treatment so i see a lot of it struggling and i think it's great these community meals are popping up and and the whole idea is that we're all going to these meetings and these meals and sharing with each other and it's not just necessarily the people that need the food Right, and I, I love the notion. It's the community's meal. It's not a meal for um, people who just have a need. It's it's let's get together and celebrate our community. And so I, I think we're all learning from each other that way too. Great. I'll just remind listeners before to, we go to um, talk with folks from Welcome Table um, that they're tuned to Talk of the Towns. We're talking about uh, the community at work, getting food to people with that need. Um, Katie Friedman and Hannah Semler are here from Healthy Acadia, and Susan Farley is here with uh, Washington. Hancock Community Agency. Um, a little bit later, we'll open up our phone lines. But first, we'll go to Kara Ibargwin of the Welcome Table in Ellsworth. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Kara. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And I understand you're, you're um, we're, we're reaching you at, at uh, Main Sea uh, Vegetables. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. <laughs> so this is another another food connection. Tell us a little bit about how you got um, started to help with the, the uh, Welcome Table. Uh, Well, as a member of the Board of Missions for the Ellsworth Congregational Church, um, we brought it to to the board that we really felt that there was a need in our community to create not only a meal for people who were needing the food assistance, but also a place, like as you were just saying on on the program, a place for people to gather and feel comfortable, welcome, um relaxed and even you know just to get together and talk about life in general so we we brought it to the board and we were really happy to to be able to make it come to fruition and we were very um, inspired by everybody eats and their Mm -hmm. success and so it started with just a few people and has become just a wonderful time for both the volunteers and the people who come and eat with us and so when do you offer your uh, community meals it's every Wednesday from 3 to 6 p.m., and we're right across the street from City Hall, uh, so we're easy to find. Um, and, yeah, we welcome anybody to come and just check it out. Uh, we will be offering a, an actual um, food tasting with, in, featuring sea vegetables, which will be really nice Great. coming up. And where are they coming from? <laughs> from, well, right here. <laughs> 
Absolutely, yes. And uh, so we're really excited about that about that opportunity to bring uh, healthy local food to 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 our you know neighbors. When when you see uh, people gather for a community meal, it must be a different kind of thing than someone coming um, to a food site and and taking their meal home and eating it alone. There must be something that that happens as a result of people coming together. Um, do you see that, Kara? Absolutely, and and actually, we also have been really fortunate to have members of the Community Union of Ellsworth, which is a, a group that has formed recently, um, who's very concerned about about creating, um, well, equitable wages and things like that. They've been volunteering during preparation quite a bit. And then also students from Down East Horizons Mm. have been coming to help serve the meal. And that has been really heartwarming to see the students interacting with people and, of course, them sitting and enjoying a meal themselves. And we also have a table of free books and puzzles so people can take those home. Um, But we do also offer... Um, food to go because uh-huh. there are some people that simply can't make it to the meal. Right. Um, so we do offer that as well. Great. And but it is nice to be able to break bread with people. Um, my my own daughters sometimes are there and they'll pass out bread or you know ask if people want more coffee or whatever it is. And it is it's it's a really fun environment. And what would you say to someone who might be listening um, that doesn't have a community meal? What what do you think it takes to start one? Um, well. Luckily, I think it takes just one individual and their desire to help, and then that spark can really spread very quickly and easily. Um, and and in this, it's just it's kind of contagious in a way, in a good way, um, where if you if you have the desire yourself, and then you talk to somebody about it, they you know you're you're very likely to create a core group that can really do wonders. And, and of course, we are very fortunate to have a healthy Acadia and the Hancock Community Agency because they just, they're so in tune with the need. And if anybody voices, a, voices an interest, they, they jump on it and can really help you get off the ground. So there's this network of, of colleagues who can kind of help brainstorm um, how to solve problems. Absolutely. Great. Well, Kara, thanks so much for being with us here on Talk of the Towns this morning. Thank you very much. That's Kara Ibagwin from Welcome Table in Ellsworth at the Congregational Church. Well, um, this network of, of folks, um, it seems to me there's real power in a network of, of people getting together. Um, where would you like this network to go next? Did you sense from, from working with folks that are there things that, that are part of the next horizon? Um, food, we've got food pantries. We've got food um, um, community meals, a food drive. What's, what might be on the, uh, on the horizon? Any, any ideas? I have some ideas of um, ways in which we can, can bring all of these food pantries and meal sites together, Sorry. including farms and community members. And we've been talking about this for, for some time, but you know, when I, when I go and harvest food from a farm and um, there's a certain amount that, that is you know, in good quality to go to a food pantry and we'll, you know, be able to sit on the shelves for three days until it's able to be served. And there's other um, foods that are calling for a community processing Mm. project, a kitchen project that can um, centralize meal production, um, that can um, bring together a lot of the different food sources that we have um, in our communities and um, be able to lengthen um, the shelf life through, you know, 
the incredible amount of knowledge in our communities of how to preserve um, food and how to make it available throughout the winter months. I think um, as a gleaning coordinator, one of my key struggles has been, okay, it's great during the growing season, but but what do we do in the fall when we start to prepare for winter? And how can we bring all these organizations together um, to create a um, food processing kitchen project that can really um, bridge those winter months where things might be the hardest? Mm. And I want to come back and, and talk with you a little bit about um, food waste, which is another part of the, the problem. But let's um, also open up the lines for our listeners. Give us a call at one 866 625-9378. That's one 625 If you've got a question for our guests here in the studio or perhaps um, your own experience in your own community about getting food to people in need, uh, give us a call, one 625 Any other thoughts about what's, what, what might be next in terms of, of kind of organizing for food, Katie? I would just um, give a little follow-up on what Hannah was saying. There's a um, growing movement um, in Maine across and across the country around food hubs, um, which are these you know physical locations where food can be aggregated, stored, processed, um, and then redistributed. Um, and food hubs could meet um, so many community needs, including, as Hannah was saying, um, you know, being a place to preserve food to prevent it from going to waste. Um, you know, so taking that squash that needs to be cut and dicing it up and freezing it um, or turning it into a puree um, or something like that. So in many cases, these are businesses. Um, in some cases, they're nonprofits, um, but um, they can also serve um, institutional needs. So we, we have a, a, a robust farm to school um, program at Healthy Acadia. Um, and there are also institutions like hospitals and other places of employment around Hancock County that, that are buying local foods, are interested in buying local foods. Um, and a place like that where they could, where product could be aggregated and then um, processed and distributed um, in bulk um, would make, um, could help reduce costs um, for um, larger scale purchasers mm. of local food. Um, and so I think it's something that we should all be keeping our eyes on because there's a lot of interest in it. There's hopefully going to be some um, new funding. One um, piece of legislation um, that it, that Healthy Acadia has been supporting um, in the state legislature is LD 1437 um, around um, um, farm to institution and, and food hubs and supports for those, um, those types of programs. So um, I think that um, hopefully it's something that we'll see in, in the near future, something that we would really support. And uh, and, and we're looking for um, farmers and other businesses that are, are interested in these types of projects in communities um, that, and, and Healthy Acadia would be more than happy to, um, you know, hear from folks or, or to help to play a facilitating role to, to, to help make something like that happen. one 9378 if you'd like to participate in our conversation about getting food to those in need. Susan, any thoughts about, about uh, what might be next? Certainly advocating for, um, you know, the food stamp program, the food distribution program, those are, those are advocacy things, but those are current questions in Congress. 
Absolutely. You know, and it, it's tough to see where this is all going. And there's definitely been more cutting than expanding. Right. And uh, that makes it tough to find the resources to help people. And, and as Katie was saying, this is a conversation we've been having for years about a, a hub of some kind. The pantries only have so much space for storage and all of that. And, and we really want to focus on them being healthy and getting the word out. So we've had a lot more education classes that we've been supporting and, and Healthy Acadia has been doing that, you know, and really just getting that word out and trying to help people stretch their dollars as far mm. as they will go. So there's an education component to this also. And I, I think we've, in recent years, really brought a lot of that in. And, you know, we've been uh, handing out information about greenhouses and how to grow your own food and really pushing that. So I think we've really hit it on a lot of different fronts. And, and now it's just a matter of kind of co- coordinating and keep plugging away. Right. Well, Hannah, coming back to you, um, you have a particular interest in, in food waste. I understand that you've been um, in both uh, um, Barcelona and also Maastricht talk, talking about food waste and you, and you may have an experiment um, here in, in Hancock County as well. Well, actually, it's funny, Ron, because um, it was a one-month experiment with uh, Rupanunis using a lean path food waste tracker in their kitchen that led to, um, you know, a, a serendipitous email exchange with someone in Barcelona that got me invited to speak at the event in Maastricht. So, um Every, every little bit of effort counts. You never know where it's going to take you. But, um, yes, I did speak at an event in Maastricht. It was a Food Executives Europe event. Um, a lot of chefs and hotel managers that are actually really searching for ways to um, be more environmentally conscious and um, socially conscious and, and mostly reduce the, their, their impact um, and, and create innovative um, um, customer experiences. And so uh, food waste is definitely on their agenda and um, in Barcelona, I was very inspired. We, I helped to coordinate a, um, a collaboration between the city of Barcelona, the Catalan government, um, and, and waste disposal system, and five um, local uh, hotels, some of the top hotels, and a food waste prevention project um, to kind of monitor, track, and um, using a, a lean path technology, which is um, uh, one of the leaders and experts in food waste prevention in the food service sector. Um, and locally, we're um, exploring with Healthy Acadia the ways in which we can um, have gleaning in its broadest terms, um, work with farms to get food off the ground that would otherwise go to waste, and work with restaurants to work locally with their organizations in innovative ways to reduce the waste and increase their um, involvement in social food access projects. Great. Well, we may come back to that, but right now we have a phone call. Um, that person has called one 625 9378 But please give us your first name perhaps in the town you're calling from and then go ahead with your question or comment please yeah this is frank streaming online in gainesville florida oh great frank and, uh, i remember uh, you had mentioned a while back how to get started and we started uh everybody eats with ron beard taking the 20 dollar <laughs> bill out of his pocket throw it on the table and that's how he got started so thank you ron sure uh, that's that's was the easy way to get started. That bingo. But next, within a week or two, we were rolling. Yes. And I'm not involved with it any longer because I'm just called from Gainesville to make her be jealous about the warm weather. <laughs> we are. You know? We just had a snowstorm, <laughs> Frank. So thanks yeah, so much for your I'm call. Sitting, and thanks I'm for my motorhome and enjoying listening to you guys. Great. Thanks so much. Home somewhere. You're welcome. 
Bye-bye. Okay. Um, thanks for calling, Frank. Um, 1-866-625-9378. Frank had a, start, a story about starting um, Everybody Eats, one of the community meals that's serving people in the Ellsworth area. Um, there are other uh, community meals throughout Hancock County. Um, Katie, can you just mention some of those? Yeah, I was actually hoping that you would ask that. Um, um, so in addition to um, Everybody Eats and the Welcome Table in Ellsworth, we've also mentioned the Simmering Pot, which is in Blue Hill. Um, we also have the Common Good Soup Kitchen in Southwest Harbor um, and the Food for All Community Meal in Bar Harbor. Um, and as I said before, there's a new meal that's just begun a couple of months ago out of um, St. Brendan's Church in DRL Stonington. Great. Let's take a phone call. Um, go ahead, list your first name and the town you're calling from, if you would, and then go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi, this is Larry calling from Monroe, and uh, I think you mentioned somewhere along the line during the program that um, food security is caused by poverty. Mm. So food certainly does help, and it's good to be doing, uh, you know, the food collections, the food pantries, uh, the meals, and the meals certainly are good in other ways in terms of just building community. Um, You know, however, um, food, you know, food does make people allow people to suffer less, but it doesn't really end poverty. Yes. And I think what ends poverty is simply adequate income, a uh, living wage job or sufficient entitlement income. So uh, I w- what I would encourage people who are involved in food pantries to do is to find other volunteers uh, to take about half of your time and spend the other half of your time uh, volunteering to actually work on root causes of poverty and increase uh, wages to living wages and to make sure that there's sufficient entitlement income for every person to live live a decent life. And uh, uh, for you, Ron, I would also encourage you to have John Curtis or people who are working on the living wage on the program at some point in time. Uh, great. And, and Larry, are there particular organizations that might help uh, people kind of get their their advocacy muscles built up so they can kind of um, work on these issues? Um, unfortunately, very few, and that's because most of the money goes to food pantries. It doesn't go to groups that are working on living wage campaigns. Mm. Uh, Maine People's Alliance would certainly be doing a little bit on that. Uh, the labor unions, uh, food medicine would be a good example of a group yes. that's really addressing those uh, wage issues. Uh, simply, uh, you know, John Curtis is connected with uh, the postal workers and uh, uh, if there were, uh, you know, some of that money uh, went to uh, people that were trying to organize around this, they would be more organized. They would be able to pay lobbyists in the same way that uh, the business community has lobbyists trying to keep the wages low. Right. And we have had John on the on the show. We'll look mm-hmm. forward to, to uh, having him on again. But thanks yep. for your call. That would be morning. great. Okay. Thanks for your call. Um, 1-866-625-9378. Um, the, the, the root causes of poverty are, are many, but wages and income is certainly at the heart of it. We have another phone call. Let's go ahead and take that. Uh, go ahead with your, your first name, if you would. Your... Yeah, this is Catherine from Appleton, and I've been outside getting the two-inch device off my uh, <laughs> off my car, so I, I wasn't able to be here for the whole conversation. But... Um, I was part of the uh, SNAP um, program last summer, and I got a a letter from, uh, oh, I don't remember who, recently saying that it will not be available because the federal funds did not come through. So I don't know if you've covered that. No, we have not. um, But you were a recipient of of SNAP funding, and and you've recently heard. The farmers, yes. 
Yes, and I don't know if that's just for Knox County. Um, maybe Hancock is still getting them, but it was just about a week ago that I got that um, notification, which is really too bad because our farmers need that startup money too. So. Right. Anyway, just wanted to put that in. Okay, thanks for your call. Okay, bye. Katie, a little bit more about how SNAP and farmers kind of work together or try to work together? Sure. Um, well, as I was mentioning early in the show, um, farmer farmers markets can accept SNAP um, at the market, and we're working hard with a lot of markets around Hancock and Washington counties to help them get the equipment that they need to accept SNAP at the farmers market. That that program is still ongoing, um, as far as I know. No changes have happened. I wonder if the caller might be referring to the senior farm share program. No, I think she was saying that that the federal government has cut. Um, drastically the amount of food assistance um, in the in the new farm bill and um, so this is one of those things that our previous caller was saying look we've got food issues but we've also got in- income issues we do have one more phone call let's uh, go ahead and take that if you give us your first name and where you're calling from and then go ahead with your question or comment please hi uh, my name is Cindy I'm calling from Hancock and I am uh, one of the volunteers at, at welcome table and preparation and food serving and i just wanted to say that um my other organization is the community union of ellsworth and that's an activist group and john curtis is a member of that group and very one of the founders of the group and we do um advocate for a living wage 15 dollars an hour we've demonstrated around ellsworth numerous times uh and um, we're ongoing, and we have monthly meetings uh, twice a month, the first and the third um, Tuesday of every month. Our next meeting is on the 18th, um, next Tuesday at 2 o'clock at Town Hall, at City Hall in Ellsworth. And we welcome anyone who may be concerned about these issues and wants to join us. That's Thank great. You. Thanks so much for your call this morning. We do, do have two more phone calls. Let's try to get those in before the top of the hour. Um, the first one, if you'd give us your first name and where you're calling from, and then go ahead with your question or comment, please. It's Catherine, and I stand corrected. It was the senior farm share. Oh, okay. That was discontinued. Okay. Okay, bye. Thanks so much for your, your clarification. But both things are true. Congress has cut, and the, and the president's budget has cut um, uh, food assistance. Katie? So I would just say that the Senior Farm Share Program was a, a, a federally funded program that enabled um, seniors to get a weekly delivery of produce from a farmer. The The farmer was paid by the federal government and the senior got the, the, the food for free. And that's a program that Healthy Acadia had also worked to promote. And we're also um, share your disappointment that it, it appears that that program is not um, happening this year, although it, it hasn't been cut permanently. I think it was, um, it was delayed because the Farm Bill hadn't been approved. Um, in time to roll out the program this year so we're we're anticipating that that program will be back online next year and it's been a great resource i understand there's also a program that kind of tries to double some of the snap benefits tell us a little bit more about that um so right now um double your benefits programs at farmers markets um, enable um, when you come to a market and uh, swipe your snap card uh, for one dollar you're able to buy two two dollars of produce that's the basic idea um, those programs um, are not currently funded federally um, uh, but 
um, private organizations um, do provide funding for those types of programs in some cases, and also local fundraising efforts um, can can provide funding. So, it, for, to take an example from Maine, um, Maine General Hospital um, uh, provides funding to two farmers markets in the Augusta region, um, I believe Augusta and Waterville, um, and so they provide seed money that is is basically the subsidy that allows SNAP users to um, stretch their dollars at the farmers markets and healthy. Acadia um, encourages other um, hospitals and other community organizations to support those programs because it really goes a long way um, to um, attract more people to the market, um, to leverage um, federal dollars um, that might be spent at Hannaford, but we could be investing those dollars better in our local communities. Um, And so, you know, that money stays in the local economy. It circulates in the in the local economy. So that's a great opportunity that we're we're encouraging folks to take advantage of. Mm. Well, as we wrap up the hour, um, perhaps um, each of you have some thoughts about um, where how people can get involved or stay involved. Um, some contact information, and perhaps um, um, the the final question will be, um, what are your hopes uh, for the future? But um, Hannah, if people wanted to get involved with gleaning, for instance, how would they how would they do that? So garden clubs, um, private gardeners, um, we can help you with seeds to be able to grow a row for the um, Harvest for Hunger program coordinated from the uh, Humane Cooperative Extension that the Gleaning Initiative is helping to also coordinate. So gardeners, you can get involved. You can email hannah at healthyacadia.org. You can Google a Girls Got to Glean blog spot. That's right. Um, We forgot to talk about that. And um, you can also call 667-7171 and ask for Hannah Semler. So gardeners, farms, community members that know of gardeners who leave early in the season and leave their squash hanging on the plant, <laughs> call up, let us know. We'll get in touch and we'll make it fun, exciting, and worth everybody's while to be involved in the Gleaning Initiative. And Susan Farley from uh, Hancock, Washington Hancock Community Agency. Um, numbers or contact information for people who would like to get involved? Oh, absolutely. I've got lots of numbers. First of all, we're really pushing that food drive. It's going on until the 31st. You still have time. There are 137 locations across Hancock County to drop off your food. 15,000 items is you're looking for? 15,000 items is what we're shooting for. So we're hoping that people will get involved. And you can still get involved. If you'd like to, you can call Marjorie Peranto with the Cooperative Extension. Her number is 667-8212. You can make a donation online. If you can't get to a food drop site, that's unitedwayem.org. Click on donate now that's a really easy way to make a donation and again like I said we're, we're dividing everything equally between the food pantries and the community meal sites so it'll be a huge boost great and Katie some some contact information um, folks can reach me at Katie at healthyacadia.org. Hannah already gave our number, 667-7171. Um, we have a number of other community um, volunteer opportunities um, to help with food access, nutrition education, and farm to school. So um, please be in touch with Healthy Acadia. And one more round of, of your comments. Um, what are your hopes for the future around this issue of food? Katie, first. Um, my hope is, um, well, so many. <laughs> um, it's hard to sum up, but, um, you know, the, the issue, the underlying root causes of poverty, that's such a critical issue um, that, that callers mentioned. Um, you know, as long as people are, are not able to make ends meet, they're going to be struggling. Um, and, and food pantries and meal sites will continue to meet those needs, but there's definitely a larger economic picture um, 
going on in our communities that that we need to be uh, helping to address. And Hannah, your hopes? I would say that the momentum that I've seen grow in the past year since I've been working in the communities of Hancock County, um, that they continue to um, you know, form alliances and form uh, relationships between community members and um, kind of celebrate the abundance um, that we have and share that equally among those who are struggling most. And I think that that's a hope that's actually coming to fruition. It's great to see. Great. And Susan Farley, your hopes for the future. Well, WHCA's mission is to help people become self-sufficient. I think we've taken the first steps toward doing that. I think all of us working together is the way it needs to go. We've, we were often, we're off to a good start. Great. Well, I want to, um, Thank you for joining us. I'll remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balmain House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our guests in the studio, Susan Farley of Washington Hancock Community Agency, Katie Friedman and Hannah Semler of Healthy Acadia. Rick Traub um, joined us by phone from Tree of Life and Kara Ibragwin from the Welcome Table in Ellsworth. Thanks to our, um, the folks who called in with their questions and their experience. Thanks to our underwriters at Maine Community Foundation. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Listener support and volunteer power